I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined today by Elizabeth Alderson. You know Liz as the uh, the therapist at DASIS, among many other things. Uh, so if you're a regular listener, you know Liz's voice. Liz, welcome back. Thank you, Dan. Now we are recording this during the holiday season in general. Um, in December right now, Hanukkah is going on. Christmas is coming up. Uh, New Year's is on, on the horizon. Thanksgiving has passed. So we're in the holiday season in, in, in the trenches. And I was thinking about this, that like, do, do victims have a worse time during the holidays? Um, do survivors have more, you know, remorse to how like, there's all these questions about it. And, and part of it for me, Liz, very honestly was, um, I remember when I went through my divorce, we talked about in this like support group about how, um, the holidays can be worse for, for divorced people, but also right after the holidays can be worse for marriages. And I was like, man, does that relate to abuse during the holidays? So that that's where this came from. Yeah. But the idea is, do the holidays make abuse worse? How do we survive the holidays when we're in an abusive relationship? What do we do? So that's where we're starting. Um, mm -hmm. Why don't I give the floor to you, Liz, and just what's on your mind? Okay. So I'm going to start with prefacing that I think this is an excellent topic because it's so complicated. There's not an easy yes or no. And I love those things. Cause like, I think we live in a world of in-betweens. I think it's really hard to be like, yes and no, cause everybody's different and everyone relationship is different. And so I want to start with, as we were, as you and I were talking about this beforehand and kind of preparing, this is my eighth holiday season working for DASIS. And so that I thought was impactful too, because as I looked back on the holidays um, from my years of being in the shelter to being out of the shelter and all the different things in between, really seeing the impact of the holiday season, which I think we preface from like November, you know, mid-November to at least in America, um, November, December, and January are probably our big holiday months. And, you know, and so to, to have watched DASIS and all of its clients and all of its staff and stuff and our, our evolution with all those different components over eight holiday seasons, I think that is interesting too. And that I, that I took that different perspective because yeah, there were just a little history. There were holiday seasons 
where our shelter was completely packed. We've talked about it before. We have 19 beds at our shelter. And so we were at 19 beds and we were crisis calls left and right. And we were, we have um, a process for when we are full so that we have a wait list. And so we're helping people find other shelters as well, but also they're on our wait list to try to get people into safe housing as quickly as possible. Um, that other shelters were full and we were just scrambling to find safe places for people. And then there have been holiday seasons in which we had one or zero people in shelter for days, not just like one day of nobody's there, like days. <laughs> and so I remember those moments of like, whoa, what is the difference between this holiday season and that holiday season? And I think it's that that makes this conversation so complicated because if we looked numbers only, if we looked at all of the beds throughout Michigan or America or any of those kind of concepts and we said, how many DV beds, domestic violence or sexual assault beds are full right now in shelters versus in June, you know, or another month, you know, maybe, um, you might see that beds are fuller right now. And then, but that's a numbers perspective. And then it, the same thing with crisis calls. Maybe our crisis calls are, are higher than they were last month or two months ago or December's prior or January's prior. And so that those numbers might lead you to assuming that the holidays are then worse for survivors of domestic and sexual violence. But I think what we've learned in research, at least what I learned through research classes and then conducting my own research and reading research is that that difference between that causation and that correlation. You know, so correlation means that the numbers have nothing to do with each other. One doesn't doesn't cause the other one to do it. They're just increasing at the same time, not because of each other, where a causational number increase or decrease would mean that this is the reason why those numbers are changing. And I don't think it's always because it's the holidays. And I think that could be a controversial, you know, opinion. I, I, I don't think the holidays make domestic violence worse. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we think they do. And I think there's a lot of reasons why they don't actually. So what would be a reason why we think they do? Um, and, and, and I, and I want to say this too, as I, as I asked that question, I feel like, I feel like one of them is this um, higher expectations, right? I can picture, and and I come at this as a lens from a, the lens of I'm not in an abusive relationship right now with my wife, my spouse, my my parents. Like, I have healthy relationships. So when I say these examples, I just kind of picture this, and I picture the difference between abuse and maybe like just annoyances. I love I love my parents. I don't think they listen to the show, but I love my parents. But at times our parents can be a little bit annoying when they have expectations of holidays or you hear stories of like, well, we have to go to the, you know, the in-laws, we have to do this, we have to do that. And like, there's annoyances. So, so I know there's that, right. But that's not abuse. That's something a little bit different. Just dealing with difficult family members is different. Um, but, but I think about expectations, right. I want my Christmas to be perfect. I want my new year's to be romantic. I want the, and then the expectations are different. So that's, so that's one of the things that I thought of. Um, so, so with that said though. Let me, let me ask you, Liz, what are some of the things, the reasons why we think that abuse gets worse during the holidays or that the holidays cause the abuse? Yeah. 
So I think the first one is that numbers sometimes increase in shelters and domestic violence calls and that kind of stuff. And I think those number increases, at least for our area that DASIS serves, again, is possible that it's the holiday thing. But for Michigan, it is cold outside. And you, you know, we see this in homeless shelters in the wintertime across Southwest Michigan as well. People are more likely to use shelters in the winter than they are in the summer because no one wants to sleep outside when there's snow. We just don't, you know? And so I think that's part of it. The weather has something to play with it. And I think if we then researched, which I have not done, you know, domestic violence numbers in Australia during the holiday season of Christmas and New Year's, would it be the same? Because in Australia, they're on a different hemisphere. So it's summer, even though it's the Christmas and New Year holidays, right? And so, cause then that would say that it's not the, it's not it, the holidays, it's the weather, you know, if their numbers were different than us. And so I think it's one, I think it's that. And then I think, yes, it's that expectation of, I want the holidays to be perfect. And most people, would assume that if I'm going to celebrate any of the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, New Year's are the big three American holidays, right? Everyone is talking about Santa Claus right now. Um, he has been pardoned in several countries around the world to be able to transport presents to kids. Like, thank you. Let's get Santa into these houses, man. But what happens, what do we know in America about Christmas, New Year's, and Thanksgiving? We know families are going to come together. And like you said, expectations are high. And so I think for the general public, we would, we would think, not knowing a lot about domestic violence, we would say, well, if a victim and their family are going to be forced to be with the perpetrator of domestic violence and that perpetrator's family who oftentimes does not support the victim, then of course domestic violence is going to be worse because they're forced to stay in that house for, you know, half of Thanksgiving or all of Thanksgiving, maybe that whole weekend with the in-laws or something like that. And that whole family is toxic and unhealthy. Therefore, the violence is worse. Same thing around Christmas, you know, we're going to go to the in-laws or the other sides and maybe they don't support us or maybe my own family doesn't support me, right? Let's talk about my own family trauma and stuff. And so it just, it gets worse because we're around those people. However, for most survivors of domestic violence, they are regularly living with those people because the thing that we don't consider in this conversation about holidays in November, December, January is what about all the other holidays that a family might have? Think about all the birds birthdays that they might have. And you might have just as big celebrations around birthdays, but there's less assumption that birthdays make domestic violence more. I've never seen a myth about that or a fact about that for domestic violence. And so I think it's that component that holidays must make domestic violence worse because the victim or victims, you know, if we're thinking about the children as well, are forced to be around multiple perpetrators, which absolutely makes sense that that domestic violence would be worse. But again, how often are they already around those people? You know, so I think those are the two big things that probably would make us think that domestic violence is worse around the holidays. So that's you I heard you said earlier like I don't know if it's necessarily causation so mm -hmm. what is your take then on why domestic violence isn't worse because of the holidays what's that take 
Yeah. So I think domestic violence is not worse because here's the, and I'm going to laugh at this because I think it's ridiculous and I hope it comes across that way because that's what sometimes changes my mind frame is when I'm like, oh, that is silly. Why would I think that way? So if we make a blanket statement of I'm going to single down the holidays to Christmas because Santa Claus, man, um, if I, if I think that Christmas makes domestic violence worse, that's saying that the domestic violence abuser is controlling that aspect and that day and saying, this is when I'm going to be worse. This is when I'm going to choose to make my domestic violence worse. And obviously the abuser has complete control over when they are abusive and when they aren't, because we've talked about it a ton on this channel. It is all about power and control of that abuser. But to say that an abuser is going to take that one holiday and purposely say, I'm going to be worse today, just it adds some comedy of like, really? Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that are out there that are abusers that are like, I'm going to be horrible today because I can. Absolutely. I don't think it's a majority. And so. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Well, so when you talk about control, uh, one of the resources I saw got me thinking about some questions and it was like, you know, distress cause abuse. What about financial problems? What about alcohol? You know, we talk about the holidays, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we're often drinking, right? There's eggnog or there's this or whatever, like, or they're just, mm -hmm. you're around family and you want to drink. I don't know. Um, but like, you know, all these things kind of, you know, cause air quotes abuse. Is that like, is that part of it? Is that why we think that that's the case? Yes, and I think those are the components that add to the increased risk of domestic violence. Because I think what we're really talking about is the risk involved for domestic violence to occur or increase in frequency. Because I think what we forget is that these families are already in a domestic violence relationship. And so they're already experiencing domestic violence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so instead, if we take the concept of around the holiday season, maybe the physical abuse gets worse. Maybe the financial abuse gets worse. Maybe the verbal abuse increases in number, right? Instead of the domestic violence gets worse, what about if we thinking more in line of these different aspects get worse or increase in frequency because of these things? And absolutely, finances are huge. And actually what, what I've seen um, with survivors over um, the years at DASIS is two different things about finances. One, tax season, when the money is coming back, people are together because they're getting that money together. And so they'll make it work for those few months, you know, whether it's the victim or the assailant in the relationship, you know, assailants also will get nicer because again, it's about power and control. It's purposeful abuse that they're doing. It is not by accident. And so when they know the taxes are coming back and if there's kids involved, they know mom is getting that money because she filed for them, especially if the kids are not the abusers. And so I'm going to be nice because I want that check. Same thing happens with our clients who receive social security. And I've seen this so much is when it's the beginning of the month, when it's those 
first like five, seven days where those social security checks come in, everything is hunky-dory, but I'm spending that money by the 15th and you are broke by the 15th. And so I am a jerk for the next 15 days. But as soon as that money starts getting close, I'm going to be nice again because I want that check. I want you to pay the bills for me and all those things. And so I think it's that component. It's much more financial related than it is about the holidays. And what's interesting isn't the right word, but, but what's interesting is when you talk about power and control, we think of power and control over the victim. But I also think that applies to, at least tell me if I'm wrong, they have the power to control their abuse and they're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that like, and, and I get riled up a little bit because so often we think of the the assailants as men and as a, as a man myself, it really irritates me when they're like, well, he's just out of control. No, he's in control. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that at the beginning of the month. He's nice. Mm-hmm. Or again, not always men. She, if the, the, mm-hmm. the assailant, whoever it is can be nice. Um, yeah. How, how do we, man, my heart breaks for those victims who are working on being survivors who leave and let's say there's a uh, uh now our, our shelter at dasis um we we separate like it's women mm-hmm. right so if we have men that need a shelter we have a place for them but when we're talking mm-hmm. about our shelter in general we talk about women that's why we're mm-hmm. saying that so I, I can't imagine a woman and her kids coming to the shelter and being there during the christmas season whether it's actually mm-hmm. like christmas even day or just mm-hmm. during the season like that has to be so heartbreaking how do we begin to help them through that part of it. Mm-hmm. So we uh, tr- we try at Dasis to make our house, our shelter, we call it Hillman House is its official name, um, as home feeling as possible, knowing that it's not home. We have to accept that. We want it to feel like home, but we know it's not home. It, it doesn't look like home. It doesn't smell like home. It's not home, but we want them to feel at home. And so we decorate for the holidays and we invite our kids to participate and our families to participate, you know, our moms especially too, but our kids, you know, we're doing all of the holiday things that we see families do. So we're trying to bake cookies together and make you know, um, just different snacks together. Cause I've, you know, a lot of the holiday times you're making cookies and you're decorating them. You know, we do the little crafts together. I remember one time it was fun, but it turned out to be a nightmare. We did the tissue paper with the glue and the back of the pencil and you dip it in glue and then you put it on the paper. We did red and white. They looked like candy canes. They were adorable. The red with glue, like stained everything, but it's cool. That was years ago. No one remembers it. Um, and so, but like we, you know, we do those crafts, you know, we decorate, um, we put up garland, we, um, we decorate the doors to look like Christmas presents. I mean, we go all out as much as we possibly can. Um, we have a huge Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner. You know, we stay up late for New Year's and hold like a whole New Year's party. We try to include all of the holidays. We talk about Santa. Um, Santa has come to visit us at the shelter before. Um, Obviously, you know, for those of you who are listening, he is cleared and goes through all of his background checks and all that kind of stuff, just as any volunteer would, just so you know. Um, But Santa comes to visit the shelter and brings toys to the shelter. Um, Santa has come to our groups that we, um, obviously, outside of COVID season, um, when we've held groups, Santa has come to groups with the big old sack of toys and presents. Um, Santa has, we've had Santa parties before um, where all of our clients, shelter and non-shelter were invited with their kids. So we try to play up 
all of those holiday things, even Thanksgiving and Christmas in years past, we've donated Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner packs to client families so that they can make their own meal if they are maybe in their own housing because you know our, our some of our clients have houses or apartments and stuff like that so we try to bring the holidays to our clients and make wherever they're staying feel like home and invite them in the process um, and it's not just about us giving them the presents even though it is probably the coolest thing you could ever do is watch like a survivor kid open presents and like be like my name's on this and I'm like yeah Santa knows who you are and where you're at and like you know it's just so cool um but the the process of like all of that is just it's so cool but we often will do with our moms and we do this around birthdays too is we take mom to our secret place where we have the present that's that they're that the kids are going to get and for birthday or for Christmas and we say mom pick out something because this is a gift that mom is going to wrap or put in a gift bag, however you want to decorate it. And you're going to give it to your child as a gift you provided to them. And to see moms just weep when they look at our donations to say, I get to pick this toy out and I get to give it to my kid. And I get to say happy birthday or Merry Christmas. And I don't have to tell them that it came from somebody else is the beauty of the season, this, this holiday season, but it's the magic of it too, of that opportunity to say like, this isn't home and I'm sorry, we're not at home, but I'm going to do my best to provide for you in a way that I think is healthy and safe. And this is one of those ways that I can do it. I'm going to do the best I possibly can to give you the gift that I think you want. And here's it for me. And even if that kid comes and is like, Miss Liz, I know you gave that to my mom. I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love it. Your mom went and got that for you. Like, because she did. Who cares who paid for it? Your mom got you that gift. That's a beautiful gift. Yeah, you you got me. When you were talking about that, that got me. I can't even I I, I can't. And, and for any for the listener, this this isn't even like planned, but but I want to give you the opportunity for the listeners who who heard that and are as moved as I am. How can we support that effort? Whether it's Christmas gifts, whether you said birthdays, like if a kid's mm-hmm. birthday is held in the shelter, we're going to do that. What's yep. the best way we can help make that happen for families? Mm-hmm. So always our 1-800 number, 800-828-2023. Give them a call. Tell them specifically, I want to donate um, Christmas presents. I want to donate birthday presents. What is it? Obviously, we are not going to release to you as a caller, as a donator, any confidential information. However, we will give you um, the ages and genders of children who are within DASIS services so that you can purchase gifts that are maybe specific to that group. I will tell you in all of my years at the holidays in DASIS, um, teenagers are the ones that no one wants to shop for because they are difficult. They're difficult in my personal life. They're difficult in shelter life. And so sometimes for kiddos, they just want a gift card to go pick out their own thing. And hey, teenagers in my life want to do the same thing. They're like, Auntie Liz, I just want 20 bucks to iTunes and Sephora and all the places. And I'm just like, yep, sure, that works. Because I remember what it was like to be a teenager. And so knowing that that's some of the suggestions you might get are gift cards. Or I remember one year. Um, we had teenage boys and they each got drones 
and they were like so excited and obviously they weren't like thousand dollar drones they loved them they ran on double a batteries because we had to go by then buy a bunch of batteries to make them work they were so excited we had to like be like you only can do that outside man you can't do it in the shelter because they they tried and i give them props for doing it because i would be all over with that thing too you know and so it's it's different things like that gifts and so like i said typically we'll do you know those items but i would say if you're gonna purchase or you want to purchase something that's to give especially for birthday presents um, we always have more children toys than we do teenage toys so it's that kind of you know idea around it. Um, we have some generous donors in um, St. Joe County that do birthday packs for us, which are the coolest thing ever. So they put in um, Ziploc bags, a birthday cake box, you know, a box of birthday cake, a container of frosting. They do like paper plates, napkins and silverware and balloons and candles so that we can throw a birthday party. And so we've had some generous donators over the years, a few different church um, women's groups are who do it. And there's a few different of them um, that will call us and be like, do you need more birthday packs? And we're like, yep. And so they do those. And so um, it's awesome streamers. They give us, they give us all kinds of things because you think about it especially with COVID, you know, we've kind of been more, oh yeah, how do I throw a birthday party by myself at my house for my kids when we're in a healthy relationship, right? Well, same thing happens, you know, at the shelter. And so it's that piece of getting to celebrate all those little things. So even that, you can always call the shelter and ask, because at 800 line, our crisis line goes directly to our shelter. Um, do you need birthday packages, you know, or do you need different things to celebrate for the different holidays? Um, you know, obviously the smaller, the better, you know, we don't have a huge storage space. And so smaller gifts, um, just size wise fit better and do better. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing experience. I have encouraged kids in my own life to buy gifts and to bring them to the shelter. Obviously again, in years past with COVID restrictions, not existent, um, and to watch kids give other kids gifts again with consent, signatures and confidentiality signatures um is amazing because they don't realize how good they've got it until they see somebody else mm -hmm. uh, so on the holiday uh train again uh, let's let's i, I want to shift gears a little bit here and mm -hmm. I, I think you know we've we've established that the holidays don't necessarily make abuse worse it might make abuse feel worse because of the expectations of other stuff. Um, stress can add to it, but it doesn't cause it. So I think we got some of that down, but let's say we're at a family gathering mm -hmm. and we see behavior that concerns us, you know, um, somebody's talking down to their spouse or, or we see physical violence or we just kind of have something going on. How do you look for those signs of domestic abuse at your family's holiday gathering? Mm. That's, that's hard. Yeah. I think all of what you said are good examples of it. Really looking at the physical reactions people have when somebody says something, when somebody goes to pass them a plate and their instant is to, is to remove themselves. And then kind of, you know, there's like that, there's that pushback. It's like something's coming at me. And so I flinch backwards and then I recoup because I'm like, oh, they're literally just passing me butter. Right. That's always an instant sign to me of like, 
why did you think that passing the thing would be any different, you know? Um, but those flinches are key. When you go to hug somebody, but you're coming up from behind so they don't know who you are and you hug them because it's your sister or brother or nephew or niece or whoever, and you haven't seen them for a while. And their instance is to like be afraid because they didn't know who you were. And that could, I mean, that could be sexual assault and abuse too. It's that like, oh, like, why are people, you know, thinking that my physical touch is harmful versus, you know, loving and caring? Obviously, COVID would make any of that stuff maybe a little scary too. So, you know, think through the lens of COVID that we're going through right now. Um, but those reactions, what are those small reactions? What are the kids doing? Do the kids want to be nowhere near their parents? You know, and of course, who doesn't want to spend time with their cousins and the people their own age, but are they, is there some purposeful avoidance kind of happening there where if as soon as, as soon as parents start talking to each other about something, you know, kids are like, peace out, I'm gone. Like, I don't want to be anywhere around here is a huge red flag to have to be thinking about as well. Also, you ask this family member a question and they look around to see where their partner is before they answer it is a big one too. You know, okay, where is she? Okay, I can answer honestly because she's not here. Or even that like, that pause, even if the abuser isn't around or the partner isn't around because they're processing like, do I want to tell you the truth or do I not want to tell you the truth? And we kind we know that better in our family and friends than we do in strangers because we know those people better we have a we have a closer relationship to them and so some of these things might be like I wouldn't even think two seconds about that but you wouldn't about a stranger these aren't strangers these are your family and friends that you're kind of seeing how they interact differently you know and what's the I think a big one is what is the mood what's the vibe when they come into the house when you see them pull up in the driveway, and I remember this as a kid, you know, looking out the window and be like, oh, auntie and uncle and cousins are here. Yay. Right. But you watch them get out of the car and there's like a mood that you can sense out there. Like, what's that mood? What's that vibe that they're bringing? And then like checking in with the environment, like, okay, I'm here. I'm at grandma and grandpa's and this is the vibe. And oh, auntie and uncle so-and-so have walked in and has the vibe changed. You know, because if it has, why? Are we more excited? Absolutely. Maybe they're, maybe they're coming from, you know, another state and we haven't seen them all year. And so we're super excited. But is the vibe changing in another way? And why? So it's really all those minute kind of small things to really think about what, how is the atmosphere changing? How are they responding to people in the room? You know, all those kind of things. And if I notice some of those things and I go to ask my family member and they say, yeah, you know, something's going on. What is a little bit of advice as to how I should then react? Do I mm -hmm. get mad and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get them. I'm going to go tell her I'm going to go, or like, how do how, what do I do if someone confides in me? Mm -hmm. I think always, um, and it feels really awkward, but thanking them for sharing that information because whatever they've just told you is probably pretty private and pretty personal. Um, I don't know too many family members that are like willing to be like, yeah, things are really rough in our marriage right now. And we're just working, you know, really hard at it. And, you know, I don't know a lot of family members that are 
that are going to tell people that, you know? And so be like, you know, to start with that, like, Hey, thanks for sharing that because that can't be easy. Like, I don't know if I would share that, you know, if I was going through it and then really asking how, how can I help? How can I walk alongside you? How can I help or be a part of you or support you or the kids or even your partner? How can I support the other person through this? Because I think oftentimes we have really good, well-meaning responses. We want to help, but oftentimes we come in as superhero and I want to fix it. And you're not going home with them. Everything that you do on this holiday gathering together with your family, you're not going home with them but they're going home together. And so knowing that, yes, absolutely. You want to go over there and you want to be like, listen, do you know what you're doing and saying and this and that and everything, but you don't go home with them. They go home. And so what are the ramifications for that when they go home? And so absolutely it's coming alongside them and just being that gentle, like I'm here, call me, text me if you need me. I, you know, and I, obviously knowing DASIS exists, knowing that there are agencies like us that exist is absolutely wonderful. It's not always appropriate to be like, oh, you guys are fighting and might get a divorce. Here's DASIS because they might help you with that. Maybe there's a, you know, because again, I don't need you to rush in and be my savior and my fixer and my superhero. Oftentimes, I just need somebody that I can vent to and someone that I hear from because oftentimes when there's issues happening in relationships, they don't feel heard. The victim doesn't feel heard or either both parties don't feel heard. And so to be that person that says, if you just want to talk, like we can talk. Great advice. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. So much. So you said at the beginning, yeah, it's so much to say. Uh, and it's, and it's all so good. And I'm just, I'm learning a ton as always. Uh, what haven't we talked about when it comes to the holidays and abuse that you want to make sure listeners hear from us? I think again, really understanding that yes, the holidays impact survivors. They absolutely do. Again, when we talked about finances, stress, travel, COVID, losing your job because of the holidays. There are, there are um, factories around um, St. Joe County that close for three weeks because of the holiday season. And yes, the staff get paid, but now you're at home every day and you weren't at home before because you've been at factory. You know, obviously COVID, same thing that we, when the mandatory shutdowns happen. And so thinking of all of those things, yes, they impact domestic violence, but at the end of the day, the reason that domestic violence happens is because the assailant, that perpetrator of domestic violence, chooses to use power and control over someone in their life, whether it's their romantic partner, their child, their coworker their aunt, their uncle, their nieces, nephews, their own parents, their grandparents, whoever it is, because it happens in all aspects of their life. We just don't realize it. We don't connect the dots until afterwards. But that to say the holidays cause domestic violence gives the assailant an excuse to say, I did this because I was stressed because of the holidays. I was overwhelmed by the finances. I wanted to give my kids the best gifts from Santa. I felt, you know, someone was rude to me at work. I drank too much eggnog at the holiday party or whatever, but those are all excuses. And at the end of the day, abuse happens because an assailant chooses to be abusive. And that's where 
we have to remain. Liz, thank you so much for being a, a voice of the, 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 not the voiceless, but those who are speaking up, right? Like, thank you for being that voice. Thank you for bringing them the help and for encouraging and empowering um, and just for being a part of, of our podcast. So um, yeah, to those out there, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, all of it. Um, and, and yeah, if you need help, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.